Can you turn back to base Genesis chapter 40? Genesis chapter 40. A well known passage called the Lord of the New Testament. And it came to pass after these things that Pupir, the king of Egypt, and his favor had offended the Lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth with his spirit officers against the teeth of the bucklers and against the teeth of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued their season in the ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man in his dream in one night. Each man according to his interpretation of his dream, the butler and the, and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And I asked Pharaoh's officers that were with them in the war of his lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sad, sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no inter- interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto, unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God, tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches, and it was as low as budded, and their blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, and this is the interpretation of it, The three branches are yet are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head, and restore thee unto thy face, and I shall deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand, after the former manner, when I was his puppet. But think of me when, I, when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee unto me, I make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I have stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I was in my dream, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there was all of all manner of baked meats from Pharaoh, and the birds that ate them out of the basket upon my head. <clears throat> and Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast on all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler onto his buckleship again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to the name. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph or forget him. And trust the Lord to bless me of his precious word this morning. <coughs> if I was to ask you who your favourite Old Testament character was this morning, I'm sure there were those who would say Moses for his, his great leadership skills of the, of the really children of Israel, David, who stood his giants and was described as a man after. God's own heart, Abraham as a man of faith and the, and the father of a nation. And then Jonah maybe is an example of, of God's grace and mercy, a God who gives second chances. But I'm sure that Joseph would be a name that many would identify as a as a truly remarkable man who experienced a truly remarkable roller coaster kind of life. And if I would be Joseph who would, who would get my vote in terms of favourite Old Testament characters. A life full of ups and downs but moved from one extreme to another. His father's favourite to his brother's own forsaken pit the father's house, father's service, father's sentence. It's easy for us to look now at Joseph's life and then it's entirely and to describe as a roller coaster, but I'm sure that Joseph would have felt like the slowest and least enjoyable roller coaster imaginable. Where he spent far too long in the depths of despair and not much time as he would like to be. 
the person where we find just this morning, this summer, where we know from Scripture that your name for a minimum two years. We see that in the first verse of the next chapter, chapter 41. So it's at least two years, and some scholars have tried kind of just life, have estimated that he may have spent up to ten years in prison. Whether it's two years, ten years, or anything, but <coughs> it's a shocking amount of time to spend in prison for a wrong which you didn't commit. And while there are hundreds of, hundreds of different people mentioned in the Bible and thousands of accounts of, of their experiences on this earth, it's still remarkable the amount of times out of the prison, which is the scene of the story. Joseph was in jail in Egypt, as we've read. Through the years, several of Israelite kings were, were jailed for rebellion against the ruling power at that time. Jeremiah was thrown into a cistern, Daniel was thrown into a lion, Shadrach, Meshach, and Granigal was thrown into a fire furnace. Later on, John the Baptist was put in jail before his execution. James was most likely in jail before Herod had been executed. Paul and Barnabas were both in jail, Paul on several occasions. And lastly, Apostle John was exiled and died in Patmos, practically. So it'll be interesting to, to hear how those who teach the prosperity gospel deal with such volumes of, of instances and examples of believers encountering the very opposite of prosperity all the way through scripture. But of course, to us as believers this morning, each instance serves to us an example of a truth which we really know too well. First Peter 4, 12 13, tells us, Behold, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice and as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, he may be glad also and exceeding joy. What examples we often find in these accounts of the of faith of God's people, of our complete reliance on, on our Lord and on his will? And taking one of them examples before we dive into the, this chapter in Joseph, you know, one of the great instances of faith, maybe the only great instances of faith in the Bible. The faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3, where we read these, these words, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, the king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden arms of the south set up. And so those three words, but if not, which make it clear that these men weren't interested in their own way, but rather in God's way, his will be done. God is the good in deliverance, but for these men, God would also be good in the death if it came to that. I spoke in the passage recently at a youth meeting, and as I thought about a, a practical example to bring to them, it was an example of exams which, which came to mind. There's a few young people here today, so I'll just, I'll just give that example again. And, you know, very often around the kind of results season, you can see young believers, and, and they put on their Facebook or their Instagram or whatever kind of social media channel they use it. That things have went well for them and they're happy with the results and they would usually say something like God is good. And we can we can say amen to that. We can say that, that God is good, that is true, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that, proclaiming your faith in God. However, for the Christian who you worked as hard as they possibly could to get their dream university, to do their dream course, to set them up for their dream job, to get an exam results stay as they as they open that envelope, where they refresh that web page. And they see that they come up one grade short, and now their plans and world are crushed. It is also true to say to that person that God is good to them. God is good to them. And that's really a specific example of the young people with this. The same um, principles can be applied in many circumstances. God's will be done, because His ways are our ways and His thoughts and our thoughts. And then in the verse that we read, we also see this, what if not, principle working in Joseph's life. 
Joseph was faithful and the faith, but he was also willing to be faithful at the depths of despair. As you think about these verses and you go through them this morning, it's the themes of injustice and patience and opportunity and godly motivation, which are apparent to us. But verse, verse 1 then of Genesis 40, we read, And it came to pass after these things, that the vulgar of the king of Egypt and the baker had offended the Lord, the king of Egypt. After these things, well, what were these? These things. Joseph finds himself in, in Potiphar's house, where very quickly as the Lord is with him, he prospers, and, and Potiphar sees fit to point him to the charge of, of his entire household. All is going now for Joseph, and the young man, he, he found himself in that pit which he probably placed him into, and, and then sold him to slavery. Surely he couldn't have asked for any more or imagined such prosperity from, from that position than now. But we know then what happens. Potiphar's wife camps him, accuses him, frames him, and then ultimately condemns him. Potiphar, in his rage, sentences his most trusted servant to prison. And now Joseph, who in verse 9, and said, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? For the subject to great injustice and false imprisonment. In 1981, in the state of Florida, Thomas Raynard James, at the age of 23, was convicted for the 1990 death of Francis McKinney. Witnesses told police that the robbery and murder of McKinnon was committed by a man named Thomas James or, or Tommy James. James was convicted after witness. He told the told jurors she saw James tell her stepfather during the robbery due to what his lawyer called a case of mistaken identity. According to the state attorney from Miami, the case lacked physical evidence and his fingerprints did not match those found at the scene, but he was still convicted after an eyewitness said she saw him shoot, shoot McKinnon. James was subsequently convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison, to which he spent years and years filing motions to claim his innocence and was denied many times. While behind bars, James said he told the story of innocence to anyone who would listen. If you had ears, I told it to you, I wasn't going to stop until I was either free or dead. After serving 31, after serving 31 years in Florida State Prison for, for a murder he did not commit, Thomas Ritter James became a free man in April 2022. Prior to entering jail, James wanted to be a businessman. He opened a car wash and wanted to begin investing. He looked to marry and had a family too. Although he believes that most people involved in the case, the juror, the persecutors, the police, did not do their due diligence, James said he was forgiven all of them. And while he doesn't feel his wrong with life, he knows he has lost a lot in justice. Can we imagine what we've been going through just mind at this point? Not only but Joseph Mann, who, who was not guilty, he was also a man who was conducting himself in utmost holiness and obedience and integrity from what we know about at this point. But yet, kind of was, was days after he. So the first was his brothers who abandoned him, and now he was his master who was in prison. For the days, for the weeks, the weeks and the months, and the months and the years, he's left to ponder the injustice and neglect from where it all went wrong. Heard to say that if I was in that position, I would have a woe was in the attitude. But what does the Bible say about injustice? In the world we live in, the, the getting of revenge is, is almost abolished in, in certain circumstances. Revenge is a dish best served cold, I don't get mad, I get even, and so on and so forth. But yet, for the, the spirit filled believer, experiencing injustice should not lead to false revenge. If you turn with me, please, to Romans 12, Romans 12, verse 17 and 21, we read of all kind of rights on this topic of injustice on the end. We commence to not no man be able to evil, to bring things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, 
but once it's like when you play a piece of play with all men. Feel you love the parents not yourselves, but rather give place on the back. For this with revenge is mine, I will be paid, said the Lord. Therefore, if I am in hunger of him, if he thirsts, give him drink, for in so doing, I shall take coals of fire in his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Instead of letting evil consume us and ultimately overwhelm us, overwhelm that evil with good with the help of the Lord. Verse 19 gives the idea of leaving room for God's wrath, I will be paid, said the Lord. But for Joseph Peter, and for us today, as we suffer injustices, whether big or small, how we require the help of the Lord and the guiding of the Spirit not be consumed or overcome with evil, but rather to seek and be overcome with evil or that injustice with good. Injustice is the complete frame of this chapter, and you can argue with injustice life as well. That's in that context that we can read. If we read through the chapter of this man, Joseph, how he conducts himself in his prison, that we're left with plenty, with plenty to admire. Within this kind of framework of justice, we see firstly an opportunity. Opportunity, I'm looking again at verses 1, verses 1 to 3. It came to pass after these things that the popular king of Egypt was baker and defended the Lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was brought against two of his officers, against the chief of the bookers and against the chief of the bakers. And he took them on board in the house of the captain of the guard, into the prison. The place where Joseph was bound. The butler also knows that the chief butler was an officer of the, of the highest trust of Pharaoh and was responsible for the security of, of all that he had to drink. Trying the food, open drink first to make sure that there was nothing contaminated or nothing poisoned. And a position of, of high trust on a, a rule I'm sure that was well sought after job. After all, I'm sure that Pharaoh would have made only, only the finest food. A real nice to have for, for Pharaoh as well. Because um, I think back to my days of, of student living, I, I sure wish I had somebody there to taste the food of their eye or her experience had made before I had to go anywhere near. Um, we had a particular experience and I was not listening, but they were unfamiliar with the concept of preheating the oven. So if something took 20 months to cook, and it would be 20 months from switching the oven on to taking food out of the oven. We were halfway through the, the term and we realised what was going on and why the bulb and tips were consistently not cooked, it was something he trusted. The baker then, on the other hand, he was, he was the head chef, responsible for preparation and quality of these fine meals, another position of the highest responsibility. If I was angry with him, we did not know why, it sounds like he probably related. The baker would produce the rubbish made in the bucket this morning for everybody to have himself into. But who knows what happened? It could have been very serious, it could have been quite something like that serious. Pharaoh would dictate with borrowers over all subjects and having lost confidence in these two, putting them possibly in the prison where Joseph was confined. An opportunity had presented itself to Joseph. Through the arrival of these two men, as the prison was open, Joseph has another opportunity to direct the way of God and to be of use to his Lord. When we wake up in the morning, we don't know who God will bring across our path that day. We don't know the opportunities but that will present itself. Those encounters have presented a, an open door to glorify God in your life. And later on this evening, we were coming for the, the gospel meeting, and there we were having an opportunity to proclaim our Lord and what He can do for others. Likewise, the Joy Club, the Sunday School, the Mother and Daughters, the Youth Work, and the Women's and the Women's Fellowships. But of course, opportunities aren't just limited to the confines of a, of a church building, but present themselves to each and any one of us as believers. It's something which we can't preempt, but it's something which we can pray for. Paul would say in Colossians 4, verse 3, With all praying, also for us, that God 
Would you open on to us the door of my followers to speak to my student Christ? Praying for opportunities. I wonder if that's something that we we are actively doing. Are we praying for opportunities or are we hoping for a relatively uneventful passage through the day? Spiritually speaking. We can't create these opportunities, but we can pray for them and we can prepare for them as well. First Peter 3 and 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks to be a reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Friends, God was not done with Joseph. Joseph was down, or it certainly wasn't done. Even in the prison, <coughs> God had a purpose and a work for Joseph to do, one of which he would make manifest God's power and omniscience in revealing of the dreams and not only would leave the Joseph getting out of prison. Friends, this morning, no matter how down you may be, we know that the Lord is not done with us. We are not past our self idea to left on the shelf, but God still seeks to use us in his work. Not because we deserve to be used, not because we can't be done without, but rather because it's God's will that he can use the fruitness of man to advance the perfect work. First Corinthians 15 and 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord to labor is not in vain. Very quickly, as a side point, we can also notice that God's time is perfect. We looked at the phrase after these signs, the start of the chapter, and a specific occurrence which preceded the butler and the baker's arrival in the prison was a position which Joseph was given within the prison. Notice verse 22 of the previous chapter where it says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the leader of it. By the time these men were thrown into the prison, Joseph was in position according to the will and the perfect timing of God to take the opportunity and to influence the lives of these men. The opportunity that presented itself to Joseph. We're moving on to verse 4 and we can see the patience. Verse 4, the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and they continued the season in war. At the end of that verse, it's just a few words for the word carried out an enormous burden and weight on Joseph's life. And they continued that a season in war, in fact, they made some time in the past. And we really can't talk about that justice that's created in this chapter, and surely that would have made the patience far all more difficult. Joseph's patience and faithfulness will surely be put to the test. He would be forgiven for thinking, well, I, I give up. I tried to be faithful to the Lord, I tried to live it with integrity and honesty, and, and all that's given me is nothing but grief and sorrow. Why don't I just live the same way as everyone else lives and I just do the same thing that they do? Surely his faithfulness is being tested. When I say people listening from the gallery this morning, and we, and we aren't in prison, but many of our faithfulness is being tested by the, the prison of suffering or, or the prison of discouragement. The thoughts become a way of when is this going to end? I'm not sure how it's all going to take this. It's a lot easier to be patient and be faithful when you can see the plan. When you can see that the metaphorical light at the end of the tunnel. But here's Joseph, and in patience and faithfulness, he dwells in this prison. And what, a, what an example he is. Such as his continued integrity and attitude that he is put in charge of the section of the prison of Jesus. And the question we ask ourselves is, is how did he do it? How did he want it? How did any man or any woman possibly conduct themselves the way Joseph conducted himself? Well, if you think back to the previous chapter of the in the verse 21, we, we find the answer in some part. It says there, But the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph knew the presence of the Lord. He knew what it was to be in the will of God and to, to dwell with him day by day. The psalmist could say in, in Psalm 73, verse 28, 
Father, it's good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all the words. Joseph would know that the Lord was faithful in prison as well as in the palace. How would Joseph be so faithful in prison? Well, Joseph knew the presence of the Lord, but secondly, he knew the preparations of the Lord. We got to be a verse in the closing chapter of Genesis where one of the, the kind of last accounts and verses we hear from Joseph is in this conversation he has with his brothers, where he says, But as for you, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant not to do. As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant not to do. Joseph knew the preparations of his Lord. I'm sure that is the Joseph of, of Genesis 50, looks back at the Joseph of Genesis 40, and all has happened in between. He would see one who was tried and refined, one who the Lord was holding to the great things which he would be able to do for the Lord. There's realization the realisation that God meant it for good. The promise one the promise we face when he differed from Joseph's but the solution of the same. How do we be faithful to the Lord and we know the presence of the Lord and we know the preparation of the Lord. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, the fruit of his wonderful face, and the things of earth will be created in the light of his glory and grace. Not only do we see the opportunity, the patience, but we also see the care. The care. Look again at verse 6 and 7. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked unto them, and they held, and behold, they were sad. And he asked the Pharaoh's officers that were with them, and the board of the Lord's house, saying, Wherefore are you so sadly today? You see the care of Joseph. I mentioned the gap here earlier on, but I think if, if we were to walk into and there and asking the prisoners the question that Joseph was asked here, why, why are you so sad? Why are you so down? We'd be risking getting a very short and smart answer. Why do you think you're so sad? But the fact here that Joseph was able to, to know something about these men tells us that he knew it. He had a rapport with them. There's a good chance that because of the circumstances they were in, they probably never really were talking for joy. But Joseph here is able to distinguish that they were maybe sad and normal. Simply put, Joseph here. And he cared enough to show an interest. He wasn't self-obsessed, only looking after and, and caring for himself, but instead he could lift himself above his own circumstances, <coughs> look and understand the plight of others. Speculating, of course, but I can imagine there weren't too many who were asking just how he was, how he was coping. I heard a preacher say years ago that it takes four things to witness the others. You need to care, you need to dare, you need to share, and then you need prayer. But all starts with care. Joseph cared for others. He felt their burdens and showed a genuine interest. So I looked at the opportunities which came through the simple question. Why are you so sad in pain? And what I, a simple challenge that is, is when I walk in the office tomorrow morning and ask those around me how the weekend was, and I do it from a position of care, or I do just to kind of take that box of, of politeness and small chat. Or in a position to show an interest and demonstrate care to those around us. It's a simple challenge, but it's also a, an obvious example which brings us to that, comes to mind. You know that Joseph is even seen as a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And in Christ we see the best example of one who would show care for others regardless of his own pain and sports suffering. The whole, there's numerous examples you could, you could turn to of Christ, you know, in the Garden of Seven, saying, Not my will, thy will be done. I think of him, of him hanging on the cross, shamed and abandoned. Struggling to breathe, every joint under intense pressure, blood flowing down his head. But if you read in chapter 19 and John 19, verse 26, that as he looks down, he makes sure his mother is looked after at the hands of John. 
and I have been right hand of God in the service of his care for his son and son. Cast not your care upon him. Be care for you. Joseph cared. Very simply this morning, do we care enough for those around us? I think it's safe to say that the suggest that if we care as much as we should, then there'll be a lot of things we would do very differently. Joseph's opportunity, his patience, his care, unfortunately his direction. Look at the verse 8. And I said unto him, We have dreamed the dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretation belong to God. Tell me then, I pray you. And the one night the author of the paper had a dream, and the dream has, has both of them trouble to his hands. It's shown on their faces. And Joseph could be forgiven for thinking that he wants nothing to do with dreams again. After the last time, you know, he had involved with the dreams, the worst case involved getting himself killed. And the best case scenario was only found himself out again and spared, but so was the same thing. But notice the direction Joseph gave us. Do not interpretation belong to God. Joseph could have said, Well, you guys are for a real truth, we have to see what I can do with your dreams. But no, from the outside, he directs all the glory to God. Joseph's ability to translate these dreams and interpret these dreams with a gift from God, he is quick to separate himself from the glory and to direct all the glory to God. The Egyptians would have looked to experts and other teams to demand, while Joseph directed the demand to God as a source of all truth. Friends, earlier, there's, this risk is always at the door of the church today. And the 21st century, the, the risks of concentrating and applauding their own efforts and the efforts of, of others while at the same time forgetting to give all the glory to a dreadful place to God. If you remember the church at Corinth, who were divided and said that things like I am Paul, I am Apollos, I have Cephas, and, and I have Christ. To which Paul would say, I have planted Paul's water, but God give the increase. Friends, we serve the Lord in whatever capacity we can, and we, we realize that there's there's tremendous responsibility in serving. We realize that the responsibility of being a faithful witness to our Savior, but we also realize that there's no glory in serving. Joseph was able to say, Do not interpretations belong to God, because he realized that it was God that he ultimately gave the increase. Joseph's direction. And justice, opportunity, patience, care, direction. And I would notice Joseph's faithfulness. Of two dreams, it's, it's a popular who reads this first. Before the butler is a, is a vine with three branches, and as soon as the vine budded, it blossomed and the clusters ripened into grapes. In the dream, the butler fires cup in his hand, and he took the grapes, squeezed them in the fires cup, and put the cup in his hand. Joseph was swift to inter- the interpretation and describes how in three days the cupbearer will be back at first side, restored to the rule he wants to have. The story of the happy ending. Right on the coattails of this happy ending is the baker who, you know, as we read, was. Encouraged and thought, maybe there's nothing to fear. So he goes for it and he tells his family. In his hand, there were baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on his head. Once again, Joseph is swift to answer and he, he doesn't hold back. The baskets are three days, and he tells the baker that within three days, Pharaoh will lift off his head and hide his body in the tree, and the birds will come and eat his flesh. What a message that is to deliver. In three days you'll have your head removed and you'll be hiding in the tree. But Joseph is faithful and very difficult and an offensive message. We can see a, an obvious principle here. God's servant is faithful and bringing a, a difficult message. You know, for Joseph it would have been very easy to, to be suitably vague, if not to lie about interpretation and to 
you water it down into such a way as it's more palatable to the baker. He wasn't accountable to anyone, he was isolated by himself, he didn't, he didn't owe the baker anything, and what difference would it have made? Maybe he could have thought, maybe the baker a favour. What good is it anymore? What's going on way? But that wasn't the case. Joseph gave an interpretation of completeness and the truth. And what would have followed were three long days for the baker. And we don't we don't hear most of what happened within three days, but yet through the message that Joseph presented, the baker is is in a relatively unique position here, where he leaves India and he had three days to think about life after death. And you have to you have to wonder what questions the baker would have been asking Joseph in the end three days. You have to wonder about the opportunities which Joseph had to share with the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Father Jacob. An opportunity which simply wouldn't have been there if he delivered his message. Second Timothy 4 and 2, Paul instructs his young servant to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. For Joseph, this was definitely a time that was out of season, but he was willing to be, to be faithful nevertheless. Joseph's faithfulness. What example that is to us this morning. We also carry a message which can be difficult, which can be offensive, which can be divisive, but we're commanded to be faithful to the Word of God. And the reason for this is obvious, because we, even in this chapter we see a very stark comparison of the unreliability of man, but the dependability of God and His Word. If you look again in verses 20 to 23, where it says, And came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, they made a feast on all servants, and they lifted up the head of the chief butler, and the chief baker, and all his servants. And he restored the chief butler on his buttership again, and he gave the cup in the first hand, but he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. The dependability of God, and the unreliability of man. For all that Joseph had revealed that came to pass, the cupbearer was restored, and the baker was executed. Meanwhile, earlier in the chapter of verse 14, Joseph had pleaded with, um, with the, the butler to remember him when he was restored, but we read that he completely forgot all about Joseph. The unreliability of man, the forgetfulness of friends. The frustration Joseph probably felt would have been almost imaginable, unimaginable, but nonetheless, it's, if Joseph left up this point, anything would be the unreliability of, of man, his brothers. Father his wife, Father himself, and now, now the butler. But one thing never changed for Joseph, and it's those words that we looked at in chapter 39 and 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Friends, like those this morning, and what a comfort it is to think about the dependability of God as a comparison. Though others may fail us, and circumstances may fail us, we know that there's one who can be dependent on. One who was promised to never, one who was promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And one who the psalmist would say in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God was out to Joseph in prison. God was a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, and he's after us as well today. Trust the Lord to bless his word to our hearts this morning.